Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Hello, hello from Mohab, Utah. Ruth is very much on her travels these days and has found yet another different coffee shop for us to shamelessly plug and support. Um, we are here this week with a, I was going to say special guest. Um, special in many ways. Yeah, a guest. Uh, Mr. Owen Porter, who went to the Croatia game on uh, on Sunday and is going to talk through everything with us. Hello, O's. Hey, guys. So, um, we're going to talk through the two games, just talk about the lineups, everything that happened, and hopefully a little bit, a few more things uh, besides as well. We're going to avoid the Welsh clubs today uh, so we can focus on the two Wales games. Um, so, Ruth, I will start with you. Um, we obviously got the starting lineups, um, and I know you and I were messaging back and forth. What was your opinion on the lineups when they came out? I was. It was a surprise. I mean, I know you in particular have been advocating for us having a real number nine for quite a while. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Uh, I really didn't think that Giggs would see past um, not playing Wilson in particular and, and having more up front. Um, I do wonder whether there was a question of Wilson's fitness, given uh, given the talk before the game and the fact that he played relatively little over the, over the two. Um, but I think overall, it, the, the lineup was a surprise. I was concerned also when we went for the particular central G partnership than we did, given Ash was available and had been playing well for Bristol. Um, I think in all the to and fro in, it kind of got lost, but that was actually Lockyer's first competitive cap. He seems to have been around and involved for so long. Uh, so initially, I was actually quite worried about the lineup, though I think how things turned out is a, is a different... Uh, I felt differently. Yeah, I agree. I think I felt the same in terms of how it kind of looked on paper. I was surprised Lockyer started over Williams. Uh, I was surprised that Wilson didn't start in place of Ash. Um but then as the game wore on, you kind of saw what the the reason for that was. And it, it kind of, in with the benefit of hindsight, kind of made sense. Um, but more is obviously the talking point, in, in my opinion. Um, Oz, what did you think of Moore coming into the lineup? From what I messaged you from um, his, his club stats, um, I think he, it, it, was, it was an interesting one. I think Giggs, Giggs has been consistent with his... Um, form, I suppose, in in the respect that you know when he played for in the friendly, it was he played well. Um, I think also as we've discussed, I, I don't think Giggs fancies Vokes. Um, so, given that he's he's got kind of um, a limited choice up front, and we've spoken in the past about how I don't think Bale works as a nine. Um, and needs needs to be, or needs to have something to play off. Um, yeah, I mean, it it was a, a surprise, but not in not in the surprise that I think you were you were thinking more so. Yeah, I was I was just surprised because of his form really of late. He's not scored for Wigan this season. This is you know the Wales goal was his first game of the season, so that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I was glad that it was a proper number nine, but surprised at the inclusion of Moore. I wondered whether Moore's inclusion was as much that he played in the last friendly, had had quite a good game, and 
with the changes that were being made, where the gig actually was, in a strange way, playing safe by having a little bit of continuity from, from those two gays. I agree with you, Rose. I don't think he values folk. Um, but I just wonder whether more of a hold-up man was as much the fact that he played in the Belarus game. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a fair comment. I think that um, he his role was definitely kind of performed well in the Belarus game, and he he thought this is obviously going to be key to whatever his new plan is. Um, so that's why he got the nod, which I think is fair. And I think after the first game, he probably felt he couldn't really drop him for the second game. Uh, but obviously, we'll we'll come back to that later. Um, as the game started. Um, I would describe the opening kind of 10, 15 minutes as messy. Um, obviously, Lockyer gave the ball away as well, which led to Ampadu and his kind of brilliant covering tackle. It was kind of a, a sloppy start to the game, and that that frustrated me personally. Oz? Yeah, I mean, you, you could tell it was... Well, you could tell Lockyer was, was playing his first competitive game massively. Um, I think apart from that, um, he, he's managed it, and he... He stepped in ably for Meppen. Um Again, going back to the the Vokes thing, I don't think I don't think Giggs fancy Williams in there, um, and I think it's, it's it's testament to to Lockyer's start to the season with Charlton. I think he started really well, um, but I think yeah, after that, I mean, firstly the the amplitude, the, the the saving tackle was absolutely class. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> As opposed to, and I know we're going to talk about it later, but as opposed to the the Croatia game, I thought we, after that initial 10 minutes, I thought we were by far the better team. I think, yeah, when the game kind of kicked off and got going then, we were the better team. But I will will say, and it happened in the Croatia game as well, we seem to be starting games kind of slowly. And that, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a concern right now because, you know, it is, but it has happened more than once. Uh, And... I wonder if maybe it's taking the, the players a little bit of time to kind of get used to the new system and, and what their roles are within it, Ruth? Yeah, I agree with all of those points. It, it felt like Anthony's clearance was almost like the smelling salts that kind of cleared our heads and we, and we woke up and get, got going. Um, I think you're right. I think there's been a pattern of a starting game slowly and poorly. And I do think there's a, an inherent Okay, so as the as the game kind of kind of went on, uh, the defensive plan took a while to get going. I thought, and players were kind of either too high or too who too deep. We were kind of doing this weird half press, where we were kind of only pushing the opposition once the ball kind of got to halfway and the ball came into our half. But then behind that. We were getting caught out of position. Players still had room in behind the kind of initial press. Um, and especially down the right-hand side for them, our left-hand side, I thought we looked kind of really exposed. And I just wanted to kind of touch on that a bit because I was advocating before the game not for Dan James to start, uh, which is stupid because he got the assist for the goal. But um, after that, um, his off-the-ball off work was kind of a worry, I thought, Um and I just I wondered on you you guys' thoughts on why you thought that was, Ruth. I thought James had overall had a pretty poor game actually. I'm I'm worried about the building of a relationship between him and and Ben Davis. The lack of that building, you can see how 
Bale and Roberts on the right-hand side are actually starting to operate as a pair down that wing. And it doesn't seem to be progressing on the left in the same way. Now, part of that might be the number of games um, that they've managed to play together. But I think the communication and, and James's kind of lack of reading of the game and getting himself in the right place and, and protecting Davies a bit more is a bit of a concern on that side. Um, agreed. I think I think Giggs has obviously got players that he he wants to push forward, and I think James has got a lot of attributes that. Fans are going to love um, and and are going to get bodies into the stadium, both um, from an away fan and a, from a home fan. I think I think there's there's um, a lot of sense in in putting him in and bringing him out at the same point in time, if that makes sense. In in certain games, his his pace is is essential and it will it will help. But I think. We need to be, or Giggs needs to be, far more intelligent with, with the games he puts him in for. And I think I said to Die that he looked flat-footed. That he he doesn't, as you said, Ruth, he doesn't he doesn't react as quickly. So with with somebody of his pace, you want him to be facing up the full back, and he wants to be running at them and scaring them, so that then that defence will drop deeper. But he, I, he just didn't look to have that about him. In, in either game, to be fair, I think I think that uh, yeah, you're right, and I think that the kind of the half space that he occupies is kind of neither one nor the other. He's neither kind of pushing on too much and, and threatening their fullback, who I don't think he ran at particularly many times. And equally, is he's the the kind of the the space in between, like I say, the half space. He's not covering particularly well because Davis is getting exposed. Like like you said, Ruth, I think part of that is that they've not really played much together. Um, and that's part of building up their relationship, which they haven't kind of started to do yet. Um, but that kind of exposure did worry me. And I, and I know, obviously, we'll come to it further down the line, but that's the cross for their goal did come from that right-hand side, James's left. And I'm not blaming James, but I, I, I do think there's some sort of kind of uncertainty in that area. Um, to, to, to move on a little bit, um, the game kind of changed when we started pushing higher up the pitch. Um, and were a lot more effective in our press and did it in kind of better areas. Um, and that's, that's where the goal came from, really. Um, the chance for Bale, first of all, uh, and then of course the, the, the cross and the goal for more. Um, the header by Bale was like a work of art, I thought, Ruth. Like he, like to have the little flick and to generate the power he did and everything else was just incredible. Yeah, I think. He's underrated, actually, as a as a header of the ball, isn't he? I think there's been a couple of occasions where uh, he's he's gone close, he's hit the bar and such like over over the course of these games. But um, I agree with you. Once we got our heads clear and started to exert some pressure, we really did look quite tidy, and the the whole format of having a more obvious trio in midfield, I think, just started to play off from about halfway through the first half onwards. Yeah, I thought we kind of like tried to use the runners a lot better off more. Johnny Williams was kind of instrumental in that, in the way his pressure higher up the pitch was working. And of course, as you mentioned, Ruth, the, the partnership between Roberts and Bale seems to be building and 
there were like they created a couple of overloads on that on that side but the goal itself was actually fascinating really because it came from like the from a recycled situation from the bale header almost um and again i thought that's something that uh, johnny williams did really really well in the way he kind of recycled the ball was kind of johnny on the spot if you'll excuse the pun um quite a few times to kind of pick up the the balls that have been cleared out of the area and kind of drive forward and attack again and for all that we can say about james and his kind of um lack of work or lack of effectiveness defensively he turned that lad inside out before cross, crossing the ball like dropped the shoulder both ways a couple of times it was a lovely ball in he's just at, at first it looked like he just kind of hiked one in um but it feels like he knows where more is going to be and he knows that if he puts the ball in a particular area that more being i don't know eight foot tall can just come and kind of He's got a great chance, is what I'm trying to say, regardless, because as long as the ball's put in the area, he is that much bigger than everyone else. Those? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it, it showcased probably why Moore is in there. And as a focal point, as long as... If you've got that focal point and then you've got the three working off, I thought, um, and we probably haven't touched on him uh, as much, but I thought Johnny Williams was, was class in both games. Um I think what he did, not necessarily went unnoticed, but he was he was massively pressing, which allowed then James and, and Bale more space um, in in that respect. Um, goal was class, though. Yeah, um, Ruth, just a quick thought on the on the goal and obviously more in general. Uh, do you do you think that the way we that that, that kind of worked means that longer term now we're going to be kind of aiming towards more a little bit more and making the use of the big man and having runners off him and do you think that's the way to go in honesty i'm i'm a bit torn on that because i in some respects i don't want us to be predictable in whatever format we follow whether you know whether it's a more standard four three three or a number nine up front i think you've got to be careful that you're not just following a formula that you actually evaluate the opposition and you think about what's going to make sense in each scenario. I can't see Giggs continuing to overlook Wilson and Brooks once he's fit in, in favour of Moore. But equally, there is, there's going to be opposition where having a big man up front makes sense. Uh, so I'd like to think that we, we have more than one plan uh, going forward. The other thing that impressed me about Moore's play was just the amount of ground he covered and how quickly he was back-checking and contributing. And, you know, he wasn't literally just the big man up front. He was actually an active an active participant in a lot of the back-checks as well and putting pressure on the ball and providing drop-downs and things. So I think overall he had an excellent game. Yeah, he's quite a mobile... Considering he is a big guy, he's quite mobile, isn't he? And I thought that he did... He did all his work well in terms of the flick-ons. The one thing criticism I have is that a lot of the time he didn't seem to kind of recognise the space he was in. So sometimes the ball would come, the defender would back off him, thinking he's just going to flick this on. And he had the time, as it turned out, to bring the ball down, but he didn't use it. So he would bring the ball down and just like lay it to the side, hoping that someone would be there. And that kind of turned the ball over a, a few times. And he did that quite often. And I don't, that's not a big criticism of him. It just goes to show that he has still got a lot to learn about how to play international football, especially with that role. And especially, you know, no disrespect to Wigan, but 
you've not got Gareth Bale and Dan James or Harry Wilson or Johnny Williams or whoever running off you when you're playing for Wigan. So I think he just needs to kind of get used to how he's going to use the the space he's going to get and kind of make that role his own. Um, just to one more thing on more. We had a message off Hal Spindler on Twitter uh, who's asking... If Moore is the starter, how do we utilise all of the other players that we've talked about there? Or do we think Moore is the starter because at the moment Brooks isn't there um, and he decided to play uh, to not to use Wilson? Um, do you think that is part of the reason or do you think he's kind of decided on this number nine role and he's going to stick with it and then Brooks, Wilson, Bale, James, Matondo, etc. will have to kind of haggle and argue for the two wide spots that are going to be supporting him. Ruth? Yeah, like I said, I can't see him, Ginks now, not using those players you just listed once they're fit and available. I'd like an approach where we we go either way depending on the opposition. You know, there's going to be some games where a big number nine makes sense and there's going to be other other times when... Brooks running on one side, James on the other, Aaron Ramsey spreading it from the middle. You know, those that will make more sense as well. I don't want to have a situation where we have one format of play and we stick to it doggedly. Um, I think there needs to be more than a plan A. Uh, but the important thing is that you have those plans. You know, the, the level of tinkering that's been going on is, has been concerning. So I think the fact that we've gone through two competitive games in basically the same plan, that is a step forward. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think then that the the kind of... I'm not sure that the tinkering is a good idea because admittedly, we need to have some variety in our play and we've long talked about the need for a kind of an efficient plan B, but at the minute we haven't had a plan A. Um, so I, I, I think that it's important to recognise that Giggs has finally found uh, a situation uh, that works for us. And I do think that you're right, we need to have some variety in our play, but I also think that we need to f- use the system that we've worked now, uh, that we found that works now, sorry, um, and kind of stick with it, because I worry that if we don't do that, then we're going to be back to another nine months of tinkering. Um, and, and, and that kind of worries me um oh just a quick one do you Mm. think that the like we talked there about the system kind of working yeah do you think that it is the right system still or is it just a system that works do you think there's kind of a better option or a better way we can do things i think i agree with a lot of what we said already and i think um having listened before um i think the, the the trouble with gigs or the what he needs to do is 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 start to plan A or have a plan A. I don't think we've 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 had a plan A and then performed it successfully. So to to execute plan A would be the best thing. And I think I think gigs is caught in two minds between, as Ruth said, trying to shoehorn as many of those those names so. That, um, you know, shoehorn as many of those into into the team as possible over an actual um, style. Um, I think that might be due to him being a very very young coach, 
Um, I think, I think, I saw it more as um, not as a four three three, but as a four four two three three one. I suppose four two two three one. No, four. <laughs> can I, I'm going to get an abacus out here, <laughs> but with with. Uh, Johnny like, Esther in the like middle. Four, two, three, yeah, one. yeah. Um, and then more used as as we've already said to kind of occupy the centre halves. Um, and I think that 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 could possibly. I mean, it's it's trendy. Um, a lot of a lot a lot of Premiership teams play in that way. Um, so th- you think the system we're working with is 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 good in principle, but it does need to be tweaked. For, it to, for us to kind of get the maximum out of it, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it, it works with... We've got a lot of potential width, haven't we? Yeah, that's true. Um, so I don't think if if you looked... If you went with a, a 5-3-2, as, as Cookie used to do, I don't think that would suit us anymore because then the width is coming from your, your full-backs. Um, but, you know, I, I think sort of... A version of four three three is 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 the way. Yeah, and we've just got to kind of utilise that. I guess. Yeah. Um, Ruth, as the as the second as the second half got going, and we kind of came back out again. I thought we started the second half kind of slowly, um, and kind of I would say a bit sloppy again defensively. We looked very deep. We almost looked scared. It's as almost as if Giggs at half time had said, "Right, lads, we're winning here. We're going to hang on to this. Go and crack on." And we allowed them too much time and space, I thought. And it was only from when they scored that we kind of like seemed to kick on a little bit. Like you said, like I said, I just felt like we looked a bit scared at the start and that wasn't a good thing. What what did you think? I agree. I think scared's a good way of describing it. We um we did look like a team that was more concerned about not losing the game, despite the fact that we were we were leading at that point. And in and of itself, that might not actually have been the, the wrong tactic. I think it was more important that we didn't lose that game. But the the switch in the mentality at halftime was actually quite obvious, wasn't it? We we looked edgy. We looked a bit more rushed. We were sitting that much further back. Um, we still created chances in the second half, particularly towards the end of the game. But we did look like we were more concerned about making sure that they didn't catch us um, on the break as we were pushing forward uh, than we did about actually looking for the second goal ourselves. No, I I totally agree. And and, I mean, their goal was, I felt, a very disappointing one to concede. the person on the the player who's crossed it on the right hand side has got a lot of time and space to pick their to pick their ball, and we just looked really kind of disorganised. Like Ampadu, I don't really think was picking someone up. Again, it's not Ampadu's fault, but he wasn't picking someone up. Joe Allen was out of position at the in the right back position. Connor Roberts was marking no one in the middle of the goal. Um, when the ball came in, I felt like there wasn't it wasn't really a, a kind of a, a danger situation. Um, and then Roberts has kind of headed the ball back really bizarrely straight down the middle. He can either flick that for a corner, he can flick it over his head for a throw-in. Um, he could probably even let it go and let, I think it was Joe Allen who was behind him, deal with it. And of all the options he had, he definitely chose the wrong one. And then to kind of compound his error, he 
tried, he recognised straight away that he'd dropped a bollock and then tried to kind of block the shot out himself and in doing so kind of got in Wayne Hennessy's way. Um, I just felt of all the things, that all the ways we could have conceded a goal, that was, uh, you know, a, a very a very sloppy one. Um, Oz, did you think Hennessy could have done more there or do you think Roberts really didn't help the situation with this positioning? I think I think Robert showed his his inexperience at international football, um, and that's not to say he's a bad player. I, I don't I don't think Hennessy helped the situation though, because if you if you 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 keep us in control of the back four and actually marshalling and and communicating, he should be and he might have done, but he should be given a shout to Roberts that you know. Not necessarily doing what he's done is the wrong thing, but he's got other options. Yeah. Just, yeah. just being that keeper, he's he's there to to marshal his like his take troops. control of the yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, I felt there was even an argument that I, in my mind anyway, that he could have even come out and claimed that Hennessy. Um, but I'm not. I mean, I, maybe I'm being a bit hypercritical, and I will say on Hennessy's. Whilst we're talking about Hennessy, he made a couple of brilliant saves during the game, and especially towards the end of the game, um, he deserves real credit because a lot of people wanted him to be dropped, and he still has shown that he's our number one with that performance. I don't think either of the goals in either game was his his fault. I think he perhaps could have done more for the in the Slovakia incident, but I mean I'm being very hypercritical there. But um, I thought Hennessy was excellent in both games and kind of went a long way to show he's retaining the, his number one status. Did you, do you agree, Ruth? Yeah, I would agree. I thought he actually had two cracking games, particularly given the, the circumstances at the minute. Um, one of the things, just going back to Connor Roberts and the, and the clearance, I do think we're not great at just talking to each other. And as those would say, you know, Hennessy can be given instructions, given information. He may have done, it might have been missed. Um, but I do think we, as a team, are actually not great at just communicating with each other uh, on the pitch, giving giving each other info and that sort of thing. And I think Robert Robert's header um, is an example of that, of just someone who needed more information in that moment and just didn't get it. We've we talked about Ampadu for that before as well, haven't we? How when he came in for the first time against Ireland, he kind of marshaled the game from the, from the get go. And you know, whilst that's great that he's doing that, it also, I suppose, thinking about it shows that that is something that not a lot of people do, which is why he feels the need to come in and kind of do it. So I think that's a very good point that we don't kind of communicate with each other that much. Um, after the goalie. I felt like they had a strong spell then of 10, 15 minutes or so after the goal as well, where they were the better team and kind of had a few half chances. Um, but then I thought we kind of grew back into the game a little bit more towards the end. I just felt we could have done a bit more to push the game after they had a man sent off. I think after they had sent, with the injury time and added on, there was about 12 minutes of time added on still to play and we kind of were quite passive we allowed them to kind of pass the ball around the back a little bit um, and I felt like the game was still there for the winning and we didn't kind of do much about it um, equally we had obviously the chance at the end it was like a three, four on three or three on two I can't remember which Kiefer Moore eventually put James in um, and that was kind of squandered we, I, I've not really heard anyone really say too much about that but I felt like that was a big kind of opportunity missed what do you think Oz? 
Um, I um, I think what uh, before we go on to the, the, the James Miss, I think um, there's there's a couple of things which um, you mentioned, but I don't think gave enough kind of credit to. I think the um, the change in the Slovakia performance as well kind of coincided with with Johnny Williams coming off. Um, I thought that. I thought from a personal that was the the wrong sub to make. I mean, he might have been knackered. He could have. But I thought at that point, leaving him on and say, changing Wilson for, for James um, would have been the, the better way to go. Because that's when we lost the momentum. That's why Slovakia came back into it. Yeah, I mean, we've we, we, you and me always mentioned this uh, in the pub last night, but about Giggs's kind of in-game management a little bit. Uh, and Ruth, I, I just wonder what you thought of that because I, I think Giggs makes some substitutions which kind of confuse me a little bit and I agree with those. Unless Johnny was knackered, then I don't really think that bringing him off was the right decision. What do you think? I agree with that. I mean, I, I thought his kind of run, running at people is such an asset from, from him. And we lost that and then gave them more space through uh, through that part of the, of the field not being harried, basically. Yeah. And I agree. I don't think I don't think Wilton for Williams was the right substitution. Um, not necessarily bringing Wilton on was the error, but I'm not sure taking. I, I don't think taking Williams off was the correct decision, uh, particularly when Antidu had come off. And you've gone to a, a more, um, I like Morel's play, but it's more similar to Alan. So you've lost that variety there as well. Uh, and so I think that we went backwards, physically on the field, we went backwards through those substitutions and that gave the Slovakians a lot more space. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And I think... Like like O said, and, and you, Ruth, as well, I think bringing Williams off was the wrong call. Um, but, you know, I, I suppose we did see the game out. And the one thing I do like about William um, Wilson sorry, in that kind of 10 role is that he gives us an opportunity and a platform to play on the break um, because his, his range of passing, I think, is, is better than Williams. And whilst Williams is a harrier and he's probably faster... Um, I feel like Wilson in that area does change the way we play a bit in a good way. Um, yeah. Um, just overall, what do we think of the kind of the game and the performance and who was our standout players and who was our players we kind of wanted more from, Ruth? I think overall, to come away with a point in in and of itself at the start of this campaign we would have been happy to have taken four points from Slovakia the the trouble is where we are kind of more broadly it obviously would have been better if we if we grabbed the win but I think in isolation we have to be pleased with that as a result uh, I like the fact that it looked like we had a plan uh, we probably did have the better chances overall. So of the two teams, we were probably closer to turning that one into a win. Um, I think we've covered it already, but I think James's, uh, Daniel James's play, we've got to look at how we can help him 
read the game better. Uh, his assets are phenomenal. His speed, his ability to run at people and, and cross the ball. Um, he's, he's clearly someone we want to include and develop. But when we're playing that system, there are also responsibilities on that left wing that he's got. So I think we need to look at how he can help him with that. Johnny Williams is an asset. I think when we're without Ramsey, obviously there's a drop off in the quality of our play, but he's clearly about as best a substitute for that role as, as we could hope. Um, and, you know, it kept, the result has kept us in things. So, you know, we can't be, we can't discard that. No, I agree with you. Um, and I, one person we haven't mentioned, I think, deserves a credit for the, for this was Joe Rodden, because I thought he had a great game at the back. He marshaled things well. He brought the ball out a few times and, and kind of gathered some urgency for us, which was kind of missing at a lot of points during the game. Um, and obviously, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out as well. He could have he had two great chances toward the end of the game to score what would have been a winner, a little flicked header from uh, from a free kick on one side which was straight at the keeper. And of course, that overhead kick at the end, which if that had gone in, I was watching the game in my classroom in school at the end of the day. And I went absolutely mental because I thought it had gone in at first glance. And one of the year 10 girls opened the door and was like, are you okay, Mr. Reese?" Um, and then obviously saw what was going on on the screen, which was just like, oh, I'm just going to leave you alone. Um, and yeah, it was an unbelievable attempt. And I think if that had gone in... Um, I may have flown home for the Croatia game in a in a drunken haze. I don't know, but um, it was superb, and I just, I thought he had a great game as well. Those, yeah, uh, great. He, he seems to be um, he seems to be coming to the fore, especially especially with uh, Mepham not not being there. Um, I think as as any any Welshman, I'm torn. I'm torn between the realization of of us as a as a team. Um, and and wanting us to do well, and then actually accepting w w the stage that we're at. Now, like the Slovakia game for me was it, it had positives. It had sort of green shoots of, of 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 some sort of plan in place, which was great. I think to to kind of counterbalance that, I think they were there for the taking though, and it disappointed. And, and we said about Giggs's in-game management. It disappoints me that I think we lack confidence at the moment, and a confident Wales side might have pushed for for a second, but because we don't have that confidence in those around us and those that we're playing with, we almost then try and revert to, and whether, as you alluded to earlier, whether something was said in the dressing room at half to uh, half time, and 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 it changed everybody's perception. But it was, it was a marked difference in the second half. And I think, as Ruth said, if, if, we'd, if you'd given us a point before the match, we'd have taken it. But I think given how we started, and, and I think Slovakia were poor, and how, how they're, they're ageing as a team, given those things... It's kind of it's a mixed bag, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I, I do think it's a bit harsh to say Slovakia are poor. I mean, they're not a brilliant team, but I, I do think they have threats and they have assets, and I think that showed in parts of their second half performance. Mm. Um, 
I agree with you though. I, I do think you know overall we deserve the win, and I think if you know if you were a boxing judge or whatever, you'd kind of score this with us winning on points. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't work. Um, but I, I do think we we could have done more there, Ruth. Yeah, I just the frustration I think for me is that in relative terms we had a fraction of the possession. We had about thirty percent of the possession. Yet you look at things like shots on target and, and corners and things, and the, the two teams were about even on that. So clearly we can do so much more with the ball when we have the ball. And and I think that's going back to what Oz was saying. I think that's why the result, despite on paper looking okay, is a bit frustrating because we are capable of more than what we're actually delivering. And that uncertainty and that hesitation and that faithfulness um, is a concern. No, I think that's fair. And I think something that you touched on there, Ruth, is that you would have taken four points from Slovakia home and away beforehand. But with the context of losing in Hungary, all of a sudden what you would take beforehand and what you end up with now are two very, very different things in the sense that we, we, I felt anyway, and I know things have worked out since, but I felt like we needed more from, from that Slovakia game and, and we could have got it as well. That was my particular frustration with that, um, is that the four points from Slovakia kind of renders itself irrelevant if you lose to Hungary as well. Um, in that case, we will have a quick halftime break before we go on and talk about Wales's 1-1 draw with Croatia. So moving forward and looking at the Croatia game, uh, the first thing that came to my mind uh, was that this is the first time Giggs has not changed or tinkered with the starting lineup as in is in in his entire um, career as Wales manager. Do you think that is a either like first of all he wants to find now he's found his system he's sticking with it. Or do you think he was kind of surprised at how well the system worked, how well Moore played, and just thought, well, I, I can't change it now. I can't bring Moore out now because of his performance in, in, in the Slovakia game. Ruth? Yes and no, I think. Um, I think it was, a sort, in some respects, an easy decision not to make the changes, given things had basically gone, uh, gone well in Slovakia. My concern was more that historically we haven't done terribly well in competitive double-headers. And so I was wondering whether we needed a, a, a change as much for that reason as, as anything else. Ampadu's fit, game fitness is, is, you know, is clearly questionable. Uh, but at the same time, you know, a few minutes ago, I was talking about the fact that Giggs seems to have been a tinkerer. And so the fact that he didn't, that he went for some consistency there, uh, you know, you've got to give him a nod for that as well. No, I I, th- I think that's fair, and I think it was the first time I was glad of his um, team selection and, and his kind of consistency with it. Um, as I say, my only one would have been maybe James, but again, he's so fast; he, it's it's hard to kind of drop him given the assets that he brings. I think, and I think everyone else kind of retained their place on merit and and kind of deserved um, a second crack. Um, Oz, you and me were talking about the kind of the halfway press a little bit. Um, before um, I kind of like in a way against a strong team like Croatia that we're kind of defending our halfway line and and Johnny Williams is obviously tasked with going everywhere Modric went mm. but there were still times in that where it didn't quite work 
and I remember you what you were saying yesterday, but you know you had some interesting thoughts on on how it kind of set up and how it played out in the game. So what what do you think of that kind of halfway line press? I think the first forty four minutes it didn't work. Um, <laughs> I think, and I said, and I've I've said it to you a couple of times. I think um, the I think the difference between being there and and actually watching it on the live um, gives you a different perspective. I don't think um, that it was widely received well by the Welsh fans, especially when we're when we're trailing one nil. Um, and from the the perspective of the Wales fans, you see players not not going to win the ball back, not even making an effort. And that just want to yeah. cut you off there. Just one sec. Do you think that was? I wouldn't say they're not making an effort. I, do you think there was like a tactical plan there where the idea wasn't to press them and to, to take the ball off them, but it was more to kind of cut the passing lanes out? Or do you just think they just didn't do it well? I, I, I think you're right. I think there was a plan. Um, and I didn't at the time. It was, it was, quite, it was frustrating for, for us as supporters watching it and kind of not knowing, kind of understanding and looking at the fact that they were they were standing off, but kind of not reading that there was the plan. Um, so yeah, there, there, there probably was a plan, but it's not what, and I think succinctly I said to you, it's not what Wales fans wanted to see. Like looking back, you can understand and appreciate that the more time and space you give somebody like Modric, the more that they're they're gonna they're gonna exploit that. But I think, and it comes back to what we were saying in respect to the Slovakia game with with Giggs's in game management or how he's how he's managing the team that it, it didn't it didn't work and then it, it got it antagonized the Wales fans basically. And so rather than getting on or cheering the boys on, they're then there's questions going around and, and the atmosphere starts to kind of to change. Yeah, well, I have something on the atmosphere that I'm going to come back to um, afterwards. Um, I think the antagonistic nature of it is an interesting one because I, I think we kind of expect, our ex- expectation has kind of shifted. Uh, and Ruth, I was wondering what you think of this because I, I've kind of got the impression that as, as a group of fans, there's about, I don't know, let's say for the sake of argument, 10,000 fans who were there through hell and high water over the last however many years and kind of their expectations of Welsh football is like us three is if it if it doesn't go wrong we're quite happy and anything else is a bonus um whereas I think there's a new kind of breed of fan who is I don't want to say like bandwagon jumpers but have come come on board because we are successful have followed Wales from a distance but now now we're better and we have your Bales and your Ramses and whoever else that they're kind of a bit more on board with it, uh, and it makes me wonder if the the kind of shift in atmosphere is is as much due to um, those newer fans having higher expectations as much as it is that the actual style of play. If that makes sense, what do you think? Yeah, I actually put in my notes that times are changing. You know, we've just drawn with the World Cup finalists. There was a a period when that would have been heralded as an amazing result. Uh, not so long ago, and I think we can lose sight of that. Um, but going back to what Oz was saying, I do think it's interesting that there's that 
perception that the players weren't coding and and and, tr- and if, if it looked like they weren't trying, then there are questions about that because I, I don't believe that was what was going on in their heads. So what was it about the setup that made that appear, particularly at the start of the game, made that appear to be the plan? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's an interesting one. Um, I know you can see again from the first... 10, 15 minutes that we came out sluggishly, I thought, again. Um, and kind of that played into their hands. They had a couple of early half chances. Um, and even just after, not long after the goal, Hennessy made a brilliant save from Perisic uh, to keep it 1-0. Um, looking at the goal itself, I was really personally frustrated um, because four players went to close down the man who was crossing the ball. I forget who it was now. And when the ball got pulled back, there's someone stood unmarked on the edge of the box whilst four people are surrounding another player. And again, it just struck me as kind of panic stations a little bit in that I'm not I'm not really sure everyone was kind of fully on board with whatever the defensive plan was straight away and that we kind of, it was a bit of a scattered approach, you know? I think that's the frustration because if you just look at that goal, we had more manpower back there than they did, and yet they still seem to have acres of space. So I get, it might come back to the question we were talking about in the Sabaki game of, of communication and exactly who's covering who, who's responsible for what. I, we looked panicked in that opening uh, opening section of the game. Thankfully, that calms, but we. We didn't look organised and, and on the ball and attentive. No, I think that's fair, and I think, and I think you're right. In, in the the organised and attentive is a, is a great word. Um, I will say though that after the the Hennessy save, the game kind of started to turn a bit. We got more of the ball. That partnership on the right with Roberts and Bale started to kind of rear its head a bit more. And whilst we weren't kind of creating chance after chance, we were retaining the ball better. And obviously. That that means a lot more when you know you're playing a team like Croatia, who you say you know like you say World Cup finalists, um, and I thought the goal in a roundabout way was kind of deserved, in that we kind of started to press the ball a bit better, um, and we started to do some better things with the ball, um, and it just goes to show that you know when we do exert pressure upfield like Ben Davis did, kind of like barged forward from his from his post on the left and then kind of clattered through, won the tackle and um and 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 put Bale in. It showed that if we kind of can press the ball in an organised way and, you know, be a bit more on the front foot, we are that there is that capability to kind of do more. Um but I thought it was the goal itself I thought I'll come back to the the initial part. I thought we were a little bit lucky with Ben Davis because I thought it might have been a foul. Um, but once he's won the ball back uh, off Kovacic, the the pass into Bale is a very good one. And Bale's three touches are, I mean, the first one is absolute filth um, at full speed to kind of put the ball into his own path without breaking stride. The second one just to take Lovren out of the game, who I thought was on side note was absolute toilet. Um, and then the third one to kind of put it into that bottom corner was just a sublime three touches. And you can see from his celebration afterwards what it what it meant to him and, and you know, what a big moment it was in, in the whole qualifying campaign, really. Oz? 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, I actually missed the goal. Um, I'm going to have to tell this story after the go- after obviously it went straight to half time. So I was in the ground and was texting me pictures and the anthems and everything else. And I got a text. I texted him then at half time. I was like, bloody hell, mate, we needed that. What a goal. And O's said, after 44 minutes of that shit, I went for a piss and a pint and missed the goal. <laughs> anyway, mate, you carry on. <laughs> Um, but I think um, going back to a couple of the, the the points or the earlier points that you made, I think um, the, the the goal showed our our lack of intelligence defensively on an international stage. It's a young back four. I thought Roberts got schooled for the goal. He got he got taken to the cleaners. He really did. Um, Two cliches there. Love yeah, that. massively. Um, trying to get cliches <laughs> in, but you know we'll see. See how long we've got, um, and then um, new centre centre half partnership with Roden and um, and uh, Lockyer. Just yeah, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Basically, I do, I think that's a bit harsh. I don't think everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I I, just, I think defensively we looked disorganised, but I. Uh, you know, you, we've got to put it into context. Context: We were playing the World Cup finals. They're a very, very good team. No, but let me let me just clarify. Not not everything that went wrong. Yeah, but they, being that caliber of team, they took advantage of our laps. I know what you mean. Yeah, um, I think as you you rightly said, we did, we we did start to grow into it then. And I think, as much as I said that the half press drew ire and frustration also I think from from another kind of respect that what also drew frustration and I can understand this as well you know we, we we're all intelligent people ish um, <laughs> but the, the pattern of play seemed to then be from from 10 onwards um, if we had possession it was Alan to Ampadu back to to Lockyer one of the centre halves pretty much playing around in front of our back four, back five, because we didn't... Whereas in the Slovakia game, we occupied occupied their, their centre-half. Moore had a great game. I think it showed, again, how Greeny is at international football or at football of this calibre, that he then, in the second game, whereas what we wanted him to do is, is what he did so well in the Slovakia game, what he struggled to do was, was to occupy those centre-halves, to give us then that out ball and to then allow us to to step further up the pitch and to not necessarily create problems for them, but to have better ball retention, which then gives you the opportunity to to fashion something or to, to build something positive. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a bit too stagnant on the ball at times. Um, I, I agree with you across that back four or five. Um and I do think that's the one flaw of the setup is that with only having two midfielders in there, if you cut out those two passing options, you have to go long, which teams don't want to do. And um, and although Moore did well in the times we did go long, equally that's not the way we kind of want to play. We we we've got the players to do more than that. Um, just just quickly on the I I, I mentioned there the foul. Um, what I thought was a foul by Ben Davis in the build up to the goal. I thought we were a bit lucky to get away with that. But Ruth, I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure how much you saw, but um, I thought the ref was kind of poor, and I thought we should have had a penalty in the first 
what was it, first 15 or so minutes with Dan James. I thought he was hammered off the ball by Lovren and uh, and, and nothing else kind of came of that. But also the, the foul on Ampadu, he should have been red carded. Um, and obviously Dan James was knocked unconscious uh, by to all intents and purposes. And that's a secondary point to, to come to. But do you think that, you know, the ref could have done more to kind of control the game? And do you think we should have had a penalty in the in the opening part? I thought the ref was poor. Um, it was a very combative game. I think the Croatians played the ref very well. Um, no, having not given that penalty earlier on, it was very clear that he had a relatively high tolerance. Uh, and I think they they reacted to that. I just think they kind of announced the maturity and the established nature of their team and the experience they have came through uh, with that. They knew how to how to push things. You know, the fact that both teams then, you know, stayed eleven men is a is a surprise in that game, given how physical it was. Uh, but I think the Croatians just worked the referee better than we did. No, I think that's a good way to say. It. I, I I said to Oz yesterday that there was a part of it also that made me think that Moore was kind of very aggressive and combative. And I think, as you say, the referee having a high tolerance for that made them kind of go up a notch in that sense where they thought, right, <clears throat> if this is what the way the game is going to be, we can do this too. And it just kind of went from there. And the ref just didn't have enough control on it. Um, do you think the, the the Dan James thing, Ruth, he should have been allowed to to carry on? Or do you think it was the, um, the kind of play acting that Giggs was talking about? Was that actually what was going on there? That whole thing concerns me on many levels, actually. Um, you look at how, if a player is as out as he appeared to be, um, he shouldn't be carrying on at that point. Uh, there should be some more formal evaluation than he plays till half time and then we check him out. But also thinking about Hughes' comments. Just, and just what is going on. Um, either James really was hurt, in which case Giggs' comments make no sense. And given that earlier this season, James was called up in a, a Manchester United game for, for diving, the last thing we want is for him to get a reputation as an actor. So for a manager to highlight that, really concerns me. If he was acting, that's appalling. This, these are such serious issues that no one should be approaching head injuries in that way. Or he really was hurt and Geeks kind of felt the need to cover a bit and, and make it seem like it wasn't half as serious as it, as it was. All of those are a bad situation, whichever permutation is the real one. There's nothing good came of it. Um, the, whole, the whole thing just, like I said, concerned me. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I couldn't have put it better myself. I think he almost he almost tries to make light of it and and it's it's totally the wrong thing to try and do um you know he he was down for god knows god knows how long he was about 6 minutes wasn't it something like that yeah. um it puts into question gigs and how he's 
managing the team. I think if, and and again, you're right. If if James is then to get a re- reputation based on this, we're less likely to get the rub of the green from a from a referee's point of view. And then that streetwise comment that Giggs makes, it's not very streetwise then, is it? Oh yeah, because it's highlighting what the problem is. I agree. Like I felt it was just a weird one in that he. He exposed his kind of managerial weakness there, his man managerial weakness there. Sorry, and that, like you said, Ruth, he kind of is either lying about it to cover himself because he knows he shouldn't have carried on. Well, if he knows he shouldn't have carried on, then should have brought him off. Um, and equally, if he was uh, kind of play acting, then equally that's something we just kind of don't want to highlight. I think football needs to go down a way where we have some. If we have black and white rules for things like. Um, you know where the goalkeeper stands for a penalty. We can very much create some black and white rules regarding head injuries and you know what is appropriate and what is not. Because Ampadu, for example, um, like Uan Roberts pointed this out on the Edgefoff podcast. Like the thing on Ampadu was would have been a red card or a sin bin at the very least in rugby because he's led with a forearm. So for me in football, that's an absolute nailed on straight red. Um, and I think that should have been looked at equally. The second they go down with a head injury like that, and like you say, Dan James was out cold, there should be some protocol. There should be an independent person there like they have in NFL who comes on and checks and they have a very set protocol for um, for these sort of head injuries and the the decision is made out of their hands. I mean, Jan Vertonghen is the one I, that comes to my head instantly for Spurs in the Champions League last year. He was so easily so noticeably out cold and so easily a mess how he was allowed on the field again before bringing himself off I think was a disgrace um, and, I, and I make the same argument here as much as anything else from a kind of selfish perspective as well I thought Dan James was at a very very poor perhaps was maybe a bit strong but didn't kind of contribute much second half and part of me thinks to myself well I'm not bloody surprised he was splayed out on the pitch for for five minutes so you know it's it's a it's a weird one that and I and I and I as you said Ruth kind of felt a bit uncomfortable with how that was played out um and and like you said it was how it was played out by gigs in the media too um to to look at the the rest of the game I do think the second half we played well um, I thought it was a better performance from us. I thought we were more on the front foot. We had more of the ball. And again, there's a, I wouldn't say frustration, but there was a bit of a thing for me there. Where I did think for a bit, like we were arguably the better team in the second half. And I thought Croatia kind of looked like they'd settled for a point. And as a consequence, we were kind of there for the, for the taking. O said yesterday that he thought that, you know, Croatia looked like they couldn't get out of, they, they, they you know, didn't get out of second gear. But I do think there's a part of that is because we didn't allow them to get out of second gear and we kind of frustrated them and that played more into our hands and we we were the kind of better team then in the second half despite the fact we we didn't kind of uh concentrate uh, uh concentrate take and make the most of it um what do you think Ruth I agree I think the, the game just kind of stagnated a bit really didn't it there was um relatively few chances I think there was only about five shots on goal in the whole game um, and they they seemed happy enough with a draw in that they just didn't seem to feel the effort to push forward I think they could have demanded more of us 
than they did. Uh, they, like I said, they seemed to settle for the draw. We made, you know, it's not like we were really making chances with any uh, any quantity. Um, and it just, perhaps on points we were the better team in the second half, but I, I don't think we particularly deserved the win either. No, I I, I, I agree. I, I just feel like we could have done more to get the win rather than rather than say we deserved it. Um, the big thing that comes out of that second half for me was obviously Joe Allen's foul. Um, I thought it was a weird one. He probably deserved the booking uh, in the sense that it was like a professional foul. He was trying to break the play down. Although Ben Davis was there to cover him, there was more stuff around him. And I did think the ref let... Perisic in particular is one that I mentioned who I thought was allowed to get away with a lot before the ref booked him. And I think that was Joe Allen's kind of first or second one of those type of fouls and he got booked straight away. So that was a frustration, but how big a miss do you think he's going to be against Azerbaijanos? Huge. I I think anybody that, that has watched Wales for the last, God knows, since Joe Allen made his debut, knows what, what an intent... <laughs> integral, integral part of the uh, the whole setup it is, and especially with like with Rambo not not being a being there, it massively plays to. I suppose if if we all look at it, and we we all know what the strengths and weaknesses of Wales are at the moment. One of one of one of the weaknesses is that that centre mid. Um, so without him, we're hoping Rambo's fit. Yeah, I think we need Rambo to be fit, and it looks like Brooks is probably not going to make it either, which is which is a shame, um, but absolutely massive. And, and I'm sure you agree, Ruth. I know you you love Wee Joe, um, that he's he's going to be hard to replace. Who do you think will replace him in that midfield against Azerbaijan? I think a lot might depend on what's been happening with Ampadu at Leipzig in the meantime. He clearly had trouble handling. The, you know, the level of fitness needed for match play over these two games. But equally, I wouldn't want to go in with having to replace both of them into that game either. Uh, so I would probably play Morel and Ampadu at the minute, but I think there's, there's questions about about both of them in that in that particular scenario. I do wonder whether... Being without Joe in Azerbaijan might be a better outcome than being with him against, so being without him against Hungary at home, which might, you know, the chances of him have kicking up the yellow, this third yellow card have been relatively high for a few games now, and I wonder whether, in a roundabout way, not that you'd ever want to be without him, but whether being without him away in Azerbaijan might be the better of the two evils. No, I think that's a fair call. And I, I thought that, uh, and even, it, it did cross my mind during the during the game, if if even Bale had got a yellow card and so he missed the Azerbaijan game to kind of guarantee that he was there for the Hungary game. But I mean, I you know, it's very much, there's, you're gambling with a lot of things there. But I, I agree. I, I, it's a big miss, obviously, but I'd rather him miss the Azerbaijan game than miss the Hungary game. Um, and I think, and I think that's really, really important. I personally would play Rambo alongside Ampadu and just rein him in a bit and continue with Johnny Williams in that 10 role that's sort of a, a press, high-pressing role. And, and and Wilson could come in and do something like that as well, I'd imagine. So 
that's that's what I would do. But I think Morel is that similar sort of player in in terms of style, in that he's kind of a shuttler. He'll kind of break the ball up, and he obviously hasn't got the passing ability of Joe. But the off the ball stuff, I think they're relatively similar in 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 what they contribute. So I I, I could see the argument for both there. Um. Overall, then, I mean, it was a better, it was two good performances, I thought, on, on the balance. Certainly not two perfect performances. And the good parts, you know, outweighed the bad parts rather than the bad parts weren't there. Um, but I do think this is kind of settled. This is, this is a system we're kind of settling on now. Um, and and I think it's a, it's a good... Uh, it, it kind of suits us at the moment. Um, Oz, what do you think, and, and what do you think of the performance, especially over the two games? Yeah, I think it's 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 uh, better than than anybody probably would have expected. And as we touched upon it at the very beginning part, I think if you'd given us the those those points or those those score lines, you you would have taken it. You know, as we've rightly said, you know, Croatia, no mugs. Going back to the, the earlier points, they they ran the ref, um, and it was too harsh. Well, not harsh, but um, they knew how to break up play, and they knew how to basically run run the game of football. Yeah, um, okay. I think yeah, um, I think he needs to gigs needs to work on a um, a plan A, and then we can work on plan Bs and Cs. I think he needs to stick with it. I definitely agree with you and have have Ramsey in, um, given fitness to 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 sit alongside Amps, um, partially because we're we're a very young international team, um, so you want that that experience to sit in there. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so you've you've got that spine. Or you're starting to build or rebuild a spine of the team that knows how to, as Croatia do, know, knows how to grind out or successfully win a game, and sort of instill. Because I, I said to you, I think we we're off air, but I said it. It almost seems like we we lack confidence at the moment in our own ability, and we're actually a better team than we think we are. And I think it needs to. It needs to. There'll be a there'll be a victory where we grind it out. And then the 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 light will just shine on and say, actually, no, we're this is how we do yeah. this. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but until that happens, and hopefully that's that's the Azerbaijan game. Yeah, don't matter how we win it, we just need to win it. Um, and hopefully that is then the catalyst of how we play and how we build and how we then look at Plan B, C, and everything else going yeah. forward. I suppose. Um, Ruth, do you think there's an element that he's kind of whilst he deserves credit for this in terms of the, the performance and the lineup and everything, there is a, there's a part of this where he's just kind of, I wouldn't say stumbled into it, but I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but he's, this one worked out for us because we've tried pretty much everything else. It is difficult not, not to think that, isn't it? I mean, it's, just, it's quite a cynical way of looking at it, but it's, it's difficult not to feel that we've played, what is it? 17 games now where we've had 16 versions of how we play and suddenly in game 16 and 17 we've we've had some consistency um but equally i think 
it doesn't, in some respects, it doesn't particularly matter how we got here. If we got here and here is working, then let's, you know, take stock, look at it sensibly and, and, and move forward. I mean, I like the, the pattern of having James and Bale playing wider. A lot of international teams are now playing a 4-3-3 system. And by having those two pushing wide, you, you stretch you have the potential at least to stretch um, the three of the other team. And I think, I don't think it's a bad plan in that, in, in that regard. No, I, I agree with you. And I think the stretch in the play with the wide players is, is obviously key to it once it eventually kicks in uh, fully. Um, we've obviously mentioned the Azerbaijan game there. And I know Ruth, your absolute favorite thing in the world to do is make predictions. Um, do you think assuming that the Slovakia game goes the right way. Just for anyone who doesn't know, um, in terms of us qualifying, Slovakia need to not beat Croatia, bearing in mind that Croatia have never lost a home European qualifier. Um, do you think, and, and then we obviously have to win the other two games. Ruth, do you think that we will beat Azerbaijan and then Hungary? Um, and assuming that Croatia help us out, given they still need a result themselves, that we will we will qualify? I think it's given we're on eight points, the fact that we're still in this and we're still in it in a way that in relative terms is doable. It's not a terrible set of permutations that we need. I mean, that's a small miracle in itself, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a crazy little group, the way the different points have gone and the performances have gone. The fact that Croatia needs something out of that game against Slovakia to be 100% sure undoubtedly helps us because then you know they're not going to put out a B team which might have been the case if they'd have already qualified uh from our point of view going to Azerbaijan it's clearly a hard ask isn't it you look you know Croatia only came away with a draw from that game we're going to be without um Alan as you said it sounds like we'll be without Brooke um hopefully Ramsey will be able to play and, and contribute some minutes to this, this campaign. Hungary are on the cusp of qualifying themselves. You know, if they can get something out of the game against us in Cardiff, they're going to be in a very good position. So you're going to end up, assuming we beat Azerbaijan, you're going to end up two teams almost in a decider there and then in Cardiff. And I don't, the way they frustrated us in their home game. I, I can actually see that being a really difficult a really difficult game for us. I think I think you're right. I think if you'd have offered me at the start of the campaign, if you beat Azerbaijan away and Hungary at home, you're gonna qualify, I would have I would have taken that scenario. So I, I can't really change that. I personally think Hungary have kind of gone. I think um, they've kind of blown up a little bit now. They lost three nil in the last um, in the last window, and I appreciate they did beat Azerbaijan, but uh, they also lost three nil before that as well. So I, I'm not. I, I personally feel like they are done. Um, I worry about the Azerbaijan game because that is peak Wales opportunity to balls things up because they're not walkovers quite clearly, but. Um, 
I think of the two, the Azerbaijan game is the one I'm most worried about. It's a classic thing. We've got to fly all that way. We know we've got a game afterwards to come back to. That'll be in people's minds. People like Bale are on yellow cards, don't want to miss out. Like There's a lot of kind of factors surrounding that game, and it just, classic Wales, just scares me, to be perfectly honest, um, to the point that I could, I can see, I think we will probably just get over the line, but equally I could see us kind of drawing an Azerbaijan and bullsing it all up for ourselves. Um, and I think we'll beat Hungary regardless. Um, O's? Ever the optimist. Ever the optimist, um, yeah. Oh, it, it's so difficult, isn't it? You know, the <laughs> it, it, it's the hope that kills us, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think... I, I think I'd, I'd be more scared of, of the opposite situation, of us going to Azerbaijan, putting on this incredible performance... And then and Slovakia beating Croatia. And uh, I, I, no, I was, I was more thinking, and then coming home and going, yeah, we're at home. We'll, we'll just do Hungary, and then not doing it. Yeah, I think that's. I, I know where you're coming from with with the other way around, but I think that's the one which scares me more. Yeah, I think going going about it and going. I think because we haven't spoken about it much, but the the the, the home, the home question which you were you were gonna put up uh, or we were going to discuss but I think almost it could work in in Wales's favour not being at home with that Azerbaijan game I think I think then if they come home and they'll they've got that that positive result um, and then the mood then hopefully in Cardiff would be very different for that final game yeah I know, I know what you're saying, and and let's hope that's the that's that's the case. Um, just quickly before we finish uh, talking about these things, I've kind of long held this opinion, and Ruth, I'm I'm intrigued to know what you think. That people's opinions on gigs are providing the narrative for him over the actual performances, and it's kind of affecting things. Like O's has, has mentioned that the the atmosphere wasn't great; it was kind of um, hit and miss against Croatia. Um, I've kind of got to the point where I think that we just need to kind of back gigs regardless because I don't think many people are making a, an opinion on him anymore based on his kind of football management abilities. I think people have decided in advance, I don't like gigs because they think he didn't do much for Wales as a player and also is obviously not a nice human. And I also think there's fans out there who, are, who love gigs, be it because they're Man United fans or whatever. And then they're kind of basing their opinions on his football abilities uh, as a manager in advance of what is actually happening. So if something good happens in a game, everyone goes, oh my God, that was amazing. It was the best performance we've ever had um, and ignores all the bad bits. Equally, the people who don't like him focus on the bad bits. And like I had messages after the first game saying that was pathetic, gigs out. Um, so it's kind of forming the narrative for a lot of what's happening and I feel like we just need to kind of get over it and get on with supporting the team because, like O said, it is having an effect in the stands. The atmosphere isn't what it was under Coleman. Um, and I think that we need to just kind of be supportive and get on with it. Do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think people are not quite as cynical as I'm making up? I've actually got a question for, for O's and then, and then I'll come back to that. When, O's, when you feel that the atmosphere wasn't as it has been was it because there was a 
it was tense or was it just unsupportive or passive? What what about it made you feel that it wasn't as good as it has been? Good question. Um, I think in in certain respect, I mean, the, it makes it sound bad, but there was still the support for the boys. There was still unequivocal, like let's let's get behind the team. But I think I think you're you're right. I think there was there's a certain level of anxiety um, based on the the kind of pressure on the game. But I think I think the the kind of the feeling I got was that, as I said, the the, the two. The two overriding things of, of the way Giggs had a set up for the Croatia game with the this halfway press and with the, the, the tippy tappy back 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 four, back five and and not really getting out of our own half. Combined, I suppose, with what Dai's already mentioned of us acquiring new fans that then expect us to be the best thing since sliced bread, it kind of all all combines for this kind of weird vibe and it, it's difficult to put your finger on exactly what it is but it just felt not as as Di said not as good as it could be or has been so it's like a contribute um, not a contribution there's ma- many factors kind of contributing to it rather than just just one thing rather than gigs isn't being supported yeah I don't think as an example I I, I don't think do you know what people people pay their money they go you know cliche um sure. but um i don't think on the day that people go and go do you know what we're gonna slag gigs off and that that's what we're gonna do yeah um equally it must be part of their kind of psyche do you know what i mean like i i have a preconceived notion of what i think a steve bruce newcastle united mm-hmm. team is going to look like so when i go to a game i carry that with me and then i'm either surprised no, or I see what I expect to see, and it and it pisses me off because I've I've already I've already got a picture in my mind of what I'm imagining is going to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think and and it it this is almost going to change tack to, to kind of what you asked Ruth rather than than anything else. I think the 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 issues with gigs are his his relative inexperience, his game management, his even after sixteen seventeen games. His his not understanding what a plan A is, so I think that's born of 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 then the fans not not understanding where what what we we're going into, and like that half press was just everyone was bemused by it, everyone was frustrated, and I'm not as I think Ruth said earlier, it's not that the 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 players aren't trying, but it gives off that perception that they're not trying, yeah, because. You know, as simplistic as, as as it sounds, as a fan, you expect you expect them to to work hard. You expect them to battle. You expect them to to go after the ball if they're not in possession. To then watch them kind of stand there and kind of go, "Come on, then," is is something alien to to a fan. Um, so I think it's it's more those things which contribute to the kind of the feeling behind gigs. I think. Okay, Ruth, what do you think? Yeah, just to talk about the actual play and the and the crowd for a minute. If you look at the stats for that game, you'd have thought we were the away team. Croatia had two thirds of the possession. 
Now, if, if we're only got the ball a third of the time in front of your home fans, you're not actually giving them much to get behind. So I think if, if, the, if the sort of atmosphere is already tense and worried and uneasy, can't quite, quite make out what's going on, the, on on the field, and you're behaving like an away team, then the whole thing's going to percolate and um, each of those issues is going to reinforce the other to the point where you get that sort of angst that others that is talking about. I think one element of that is people's concerns about gigs as a manager. I don't think it's the only element by any stretch of the imagination, but I think if you're the sort of person who was concerned by the appointment, thinks he's inexperienced, can't see that things have, have developed in the 18 months that he's been in, in charge, then when you look at what the team are doing on the field in an important home game, that's going to reinforce your perception. So I, I think what you were asked, the question you were asking originally, Di, is like, do our fans looking for the mistakes? Are our fans looking for ways to question gigs. I, I think inevitably your own preconceived notions come in and your example about Newcastle is relevant. That you you tend to to find the things that reinforce your own perception, don't you? It's a very human thing and you don't you don't give as much weight to the things that are against your particular personal point of view. And I and I think we're in a cycle there where what we're seeing, for those of us that don't particularly rate gigs as a manager, what we're seeing is not helping attack that preconceived idea. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair comment. Um, I, I do think things have improved, um, and I do think this plan we've kind of come come across, whether it's by luck or by judgment, I think is what we need to stick with. And I think gives, even if it was maybe, you know, he was running out of options and he had to try this, I do still think he deserves credit for that. And I and I take your point about the possession against um, Croatia. But equally, we are playing the World Cup finalists there. You know, they're a bloody good team. They've got a Ballon d'Or winner, in, in last year's Ballon d'Or winner in the team. And, you know, players who are playing for Inter Milan and Chelsea and, you know, uh, and Liverpool and, 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 and so on and so on. So I, I, I do think there's a bit of context that needs to be applied to that situation as well. Yeah, but, but what I think happens, though, is that people that are willing to give gigs some rope, they see it in that context. They see that we're playing the World Cup finalists. As you say, you know, you've got Modric running things in the middle there, etc. Others who are concerned about Giggs' approach see us as being passive at home. And, you know, you've, got, you've just got those two dichotomies going on at the same time. Yeah, I mean, dichotomy, of course, is a very good player and I hope he comes through the ranks. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 Thank you very much, everybody. Um, to, to wrap this up on that dreadful joke, um, I know what you mean, and I, my, my, my personal opinion is that I think we need to get over it I I think is ultimately what I'm trying to say and I, you know I think you and I Ruth when we do these we, we try to be balanced I'm, I'm, I don't think we necessarily succeed uh, all the time because our personal opinions kind of take over but I do think if it's affecting the atmosphere now I think you know what what do we want to happen do we want gigs to fail just so we can be right well not really because then it means 
Euro 2020 goes ahead without us. Um, and if we want another manager in, well, who's the new manager going to be? I, I just feel like it creates more questions than answers. And and I think we're at a point now where we're two games away from being able to qualify. It's relatively speaking in our hands in, in that we expect Croatia to help us out because they need a point themselves. So I feel like there's nothing to be gained from this kind of um and R in. And I think at the moment, we all, myself included, need to get rid of our preconceived notions a little bit, at least for these next two games, because if we qualify by winning these two games, Ryan Giggs is only the second person ever to have actually, as a manager, got us qualified for a, for a, for a major tournament. Um, and I know, obviously, we qualified in 58, but that was through, you know, luck to all intents and purposes. Um, so I, I think that, you know, if that does happen and we do qualify, he, I think this has got to be shelved once and for all and we've got to let him get on with it because he will have done what only one other person has done before him. So um, I think that's I think that's worth remembering and we are still in a position where we can qualify and that is, he is as responsible for that as, as the players are as well. So I think I think that's worth pointing out. Can I just buy it? Um, obviously, anyway. You, you, you have. Yeah. So. Um, he, and, and we talked about his, his in-game management, but also I think, media-wise, I don't think he's media-savvy as much as he's gone through the, the Man United system. So there, there's a couple of things, and we, we spoke about it on the train. Um, he could have done more, not necessarily that he needs to, because you raised that point, to ingratiate himself with the Wales fans. But my, my point in process was mainly going to be that he turned around after the Nations, Nations games and said something along the lines of judge me on the Euros qualification in respects of I, I'm taking it as style and as qualification now ultimately the, there still isn't a style um, we could still qualify I was going to say I, I think this is a conversation I agree I don't disagree but I, I also think this is a conversation that needs to happen afterwards yeah. because if we don't qualify and we have no style then I agree then the question needs to be asked if we don't have a style and we ended up we ended up spending the next two ninety minutes lumping at Kiefer Moore's head and we win both games one one nil, then to be honest with you, I, I, everyone's I, happy. Exactly, I, I don't care. <laughs> so I, I think I, I see your point, and I don't, yeah. and I do think in the media with certain stuff, the Dan James incident is a perfect one, the Tom Lawrence one is a perfect example as well, where he doesn't help himself. But in terms of the overall thing, I'm not, I'm not sure we're there yet yeah. in terms of that conversation. But I, I, I do, I, I do very much take your point and I understand uh, where you're coming from um, I do just want to wrap things up as I've realised as I look over to the laptop to see that <laughs> this is an hour and hour and a half podcast so you know so I'm getting some, some in-depth analysis Wales fans it's fine edit me out it's yeah fine. exactly we'll, we'll delete those um, very quickly Ruth um, a massive win for the Wales women a couple of weeks ago or last week sorry uh, against Belarus uh, Rachel Rowe coming back into the squad and, and scoring a, a key goal um, and that qualifying campaign looks very much back on track now, doesn't it? It was a it was a great win for them, and to now have you know seven points from the nine, admittedly not perhaps quite in the way we're expecting, but it's it's a great start. And to do it without Fishlock and Ingle, uh, I think it, in, in a strange way, the, the women and the way they're approaching the game, the way they're coached, the way they're organised. Is everything that we feel is a whole in the in the men's team. Ironically, you know they've they've identified a system that they need to 
approach games with. They're sticking to it. They're, they're using their squad well. Um, players can be missing and or come back and still know exactly what's going on. Uh, so I just can't speak highly enough of, of just what they're doing at the minute. Yeah, me too. And I think it's worth pointing out as well that whilst we are second in the group, we are one of the best we're one of the best second place teams. I mean it was early to be saying these sorts of things. But I think it's so important us playing in the in a five team group rather than a six team group because all of our results count. Um the result against the Faroe Islands count, so we keep the goal difference from that game as well. And that's a massive bonus for us, I think. Um but yeah, just impressed with the girls' performance. I I couldn't watch the game unfortunately, but I've seen a couple of sets of extensive highlights, so was impressed with with what I saw. Um, Tash Hardin got murdered and should have got a penalty in the first half. I don't know how the ref has not give it. Um, so I think whilst again we didn't have much huge amount of, of the ball, I think we did well, and uh, and I think as a consequence of that, you know, the girls Jane Ludlow deserve massive credit. Um, especially when you consider, you know, the, the island, the Northern Ireland performance was a disappointing one. So, massive congratulations to to them and uh, and everyone involved. And uh, I think that is going to have to be good night from us. So, on that note, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say so then, Ruth. Um, so, on, on on that note, uh, thank you very much for listening, Ruth. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. It was nice chatting. And thank you very much to Mr. Owen Porter for his uh, first appearance on the podcast. My absolute pleasure. I'm not sure everyone else is going to get pleasure from it, but we appreciate your time, no less. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, everybody, uh, and we will speak to you soon. Goodbye.